And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me back after uh, two episodes and several weeks off of the podcast, unhappy with how I teed up the guests uh, in contrast to his own uh, draft utility uh, second round pick. Eric Green, what's up, man? Uh, I, I'm just glad to be back from my uh, uh, exile. Uh, I, I'm glad you've deigned me worthy to be by your side again. Um, and I'm just hoping we get a ho- news about a Jose Barrios trade while this podcast is going on. That would be cool. But uh, yeah, I'm please, all right. Please tell me you saw the Shapiro comments of... Uh, I think we're in a better position long term than anyone in this division. Dot dot dot. Other than the Rays, <laughs> I did not see that. But please, yeah, it's led please. to some great Simpsons memes in the group chat. Of oh well, I'd be lying if I said we could ever beat the Rays. <laughs> please have me killed. Yeah, um, gladly. <laughs> uh, by the way, apologies if there's a little bit of background. Uh, rumbling here by there's construction going on on my floor Uh, so I apologize for that but I figured you couldn't wait until Monday for your post-draft Raptors Reasonableist podcast Uh, there is some shit to reasonableize Eric Uh, it is not stuff that we hadn't been trying to warn is maybe not the right word but um, prepare prepare people for Uh, there is When the Raptors jumped up to number four on the night of the draft lottery in late June, uh, the assumption from a lot of people was, hey, well, first of all, the reaction was, hey, this is great, which it was. No matter what you do with that pick, it's better to pick four than seven uh, unless you really, really care about the small rookie scale contract difference between those two spots, which, uh, you know, I don't not care about. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, uh, (laughs) unquestionably a good thing. Most people seem to have had narrowed this draft down to a quote-unquote four-player draft at the top, and that being Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. Uh, the Raptors had kind of signaled, or, or maybe we just you know know them well enough at this point, that they weren't going to subscribe to that. They're certainly not going to subscribe to consensus boards. Um, Scotty Barnes is a guy I know they've liked since, I mean, I'm sure it goes back earlier than the college season, but uh, they were in on him, you know, when we thought this was a five-player draft that included Jonathan Kaminga in that top tier. I think they thought it was a six-player draft and and included Scotty Barnes in there. So then as things narrowed, um, you know, Barnes was kind of in the same tier, it seems now, as Suggs rather than heading up the second tier after that top four. Uh, Our Shamstrania reported uh, up until, basically, until the Cavs made the pick that there were ongoing discussions between the Raptors and Cavs about the number three selection. 
um, Michael Grange of Sportsnet had reported if the Raptors were going to move up, it would be to target Jalen Suggs, which obviously um, is not the case uh, since they passed on Suggs at four. I do think it's pretty obvious why they would have wanted number three, and it's Evan Mobley, who, again, in my book, is closer to number one than closer uh, than he is to number three in terms of uh, ranking the prospects in this draft. Although Jalen Green gets a bullet on the draft stock for that Casey Musgraves outfit. Oh, baby. Uh, Yeah, I should have gone number one on that alone. Uh, Also a good friend of Scotty Barnes. Ah. So we... we, 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 is he we the love co- a pair of sweet boys who are just all smiles and, and rooting for the people around them. I'm sure Nick Nurse would be delighted if uh, it turned out that Jalen Green was Scotty Barnes' uh, Canadian friend. One of his yeah. best friends is Canadian. Scotty Barnes just say, yeah. said, and maybe it's yeah. Jalen Green. Yeah, you don't you don't know her. She goes to uh, she, she goes She's to school for- in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the, the thing that they did for Nick Nurse is, uh, I reported this right before we, we came on, is that uh, Georgia Tech senior Moses Wright will be with the Raptors in Summer League. He plays the stand-up bass. So that that's the that's the addition as Nick Nurse fills out his, uh, his Arkelza Jace traveling band here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, with a stand-up bass, are, are, do the Arkels use one? Like the, I could, first like of all, the, it's just Arkells. Yeah, sorry. Uh, second, uh, they use just about everything when they're doing a, a live stage show at a place like yeah. uh, the amphitheater or something like that, or Budweiser stage. Because my mind went to the bare naked ladies with the yeah. stand up bass, uh, which you know we're going in a very different CanCon direction. Yes, yes, and uh, you know it's a uh, th- that that song or, or one of the bare naked ladies songs is a little outdated it should we needed to be updated uh if i had a first round cap hold of 7.28 million dollars uh to to talk about scotty barnes here um terrible terrible segues aside uh by the way arkel's doing three nights at budweiser stage um later this summer check them out uh maybe nick nurse will be there again who knows (laughs) um so the raptors Look, we're, we're rambling a little bit here to, to kind of build up the tension of something you already know that happened. And they picked Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs. Scotty Barnes is raptory enough that when we thought the Raptors might have the number seven or eight pick, Eric, uh, you wrote a column focused around Scotty Barnes, but, but more broadly about taking the best guy and not worrying necessarily about fit. Um, Barnes is a guy who... Again, I tried to cover off well, even though the Raptors had... Like, look, I, I, all I can say is I, I didn't know that they were going to pick Barnes, but we had like 1,800 words on Barnes ready to go. Um, there was a real possibility that this was going to happen. My big question for you is, we both prepared ourselves enough for Barnes as a player and Barnes in the, the hypothetical where the Raptors trade down or didn't move up in the lottery. How do your feelings on Barnes and that column you wrote back in June shift when it's the number four pick we're talking about instead of the number seven pick, because there is an extra element of value play of opportunity cost. Um, it's a little, you know, Bobby Webster framed a lot of the, and Nick nurse framed a lot of the fun Scotty Barnes stuff and, and potential around OG Ananobi and, and Pascal Siakam similarities. But those players were picked at 23 and 27. It's a little different at number four to, to execute the same strategy. So so do you feel differently at four than you did when Barnes was a hypothetical mid-lotto guy? 
Um, philosophically, no. If they think he's going to be the best player in three or four years and there's an overlap with two of your core pieces, uh, it's fine, especially when it's this overlap, right? Like, a mul- like, there are certain overlaps I would get concerned about. Like, if you have two centers who can't, who, like, can't stretch the floor and can't space at all, that becomes a worry. Uh, at, at some point, you can have too many small guards, although the Raptors have certainly tested that over the years. Uh, but I think if you're going to overlap, this is the best position uh, to do it. You, you would have liked to see them be able to trade down and get an extra extra asset in this, but I go back to what Bobby Webster said before the draft, and I, I sort of asked him about this, and he said, hopefully you value something a little differently than another team, and you're able to uh, get an extra asset without, without like taking yourself out of the tier that you'd like to be selecting in. So let's go back to what we know or, or what we think we know, at least about the draft. Raptors wanted to trade up to get uh, the third pick. Presumably that is for Evan Mobley. Or why would they be trying to trade up? Because they were fairly sure that Mobley would go to Cleveland as he did. So that's the end of, no matter how they had those three, Cunningham, Green, and, and Mobley ordered, that's the end of a tier there. Uh, it would suggest to me. And so what do we know about the next tier? Uh, not much, as it, as it turns out. Uh, but we know that Scotty Barnes is certainly in it because they had the fourth pick and that's who they took with it. And maybe Jalen Suggs was also in it and they were just in a position where they said, uh, we like Barnes more than Suggs, uh, which obviously is the case because they drafted him. So how far can you really trade down if it's just a two-man tier, uh, which we I'm not reporting, but this is my operating no, philosophy. No, I, I think the, the yeah, logical and, read on this is yeah. that Orlando wasn't, you know, Orlando yeah. knows the Raptors front office well. Exactly. You uh, can't, you're, this is, as I wrote in my column, this is Jeff Weltman sitting on the other side is one of the last people you're going to be able to bluff in this position, right? Yeah. And so I, I think the takeaway here, or, or at least the implication, is that Orlando wasn't willing to pay. Uh, Orlando called their bluff on taking Barnes ahead of Suggs, and they felt if they traded down further than that, uh, first of all, OKC probably. I, I don't know that OKC necessarily needed to trade. Felt the need to trade up to four since Giddy was their guy. At six, and, and that's a super fun fit. Um, but, you know, the further you trade down, the less likely it is you get your guy, right? So, yeah. um, you know, even if we're talking in sub-tiers where, hey, maybe they were impartial between Barnes and Suggs, but that that next tier of, of Giddy and Kaminga, they were like, ah, oh, we're a little less comfortable with that. Well, then Orlando's really the only team you could play yeah, ball with. Yeah, exactly. And you trade down to six, and whoever... And if Oklahoma City's jumping up to four, then maybe Orlando's taking Barnes at fifth. I think that was a lot of, not that mock drafts or consensus ended up meaning much uh, after the top three picks. Hey, uh, that, that lottery night, uh, that lottery night mock draft that everyone got very mad at me for, though. 
Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, and nailed, wa- it nailed the thought experiment, yeah, 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 the, I was going to say, let's not mention why you did that. Yeah, um, but but look, it, and like part of why I did that, and I explained this on the podcast after because people were kind of mad at me, is I was curious what the draft would look like and how it would shake out if the Raptors felt differently than the consensus. And because that's something did. that they have in the, <laughs> yeah. in the past. And now my intention with that was like, the, my, the biggest thing that revealed to me is that in conversations with Josh Robbins, our Orlando Magic reporter, I thought that there was an opportunity to trade down. And even if it was only picking up a, an extra early second, Orlando had the 33 pick, um, which, you know, when you look at some of the guys who ended up being there still, like Herbert Jones and Deuce McBride and JT Thor and Nemi Keita, um, you know, that, that would have been, in retrospect, a pretty valuable chip. Um, even if the optics, you know, people wouldn't have been thrilled about yeah. uh, them trading trading out of it or whatever. Anyway, or this just is say, why, or this just is saving why you cover the, the this is why you cover base, right? a lot of bases. Yeah, especially uh, with the front office like this. Yeah. Um, so my take is, if they think he's going to be the best player uh, in three or four years or whatever, it's the right choice. Uh, I was pretty enamored, like a lot of fans, with the idea of Jalen Suggs as a Raptor. I told you on on draft night, that's the direction I was hoping they would go. Uh, But I would never claim that I think, like, that I I know more than them about the draft. They've done, you know, infinitely more research about it than I have. So let's see where this goes. Uh, I understand why fans are, are upset. Um, I'm a bit hesitant to do the, you know, OG and Pascal were drafted in the 20s thing, uh, just because like, we don't we don't know what Barnes ceiling is. Like, it's just because they're say they're similar type players doesn't mean the goal is to turn them. First of all, if Scotty Barnes makes a second team All NBA, like at <laughs> one point in his career, that'd be good. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, like. They're not exactly the same guy, even though they're being talked in the same terms. It's like Malachi Flynn isn't exactly Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. Like, you know, these are comparisons, you know, are the thief of joy. And they're also, they're just used more as stylistic comps than predictors, right? Yeah, they're crutches more than anything. Yeah, so let's not pretend just because those names are being thrown around, they're viewing... those results as some sort of ceiling or expectation no and and he's like he is kind of like he's pulling even if you wanted to do that you'd be pulling from each of them a little bit right like like the length profile and body profile is closer to og um the the more natural playmaking feel and ability to push off turnovers or defensive rebounds you know is closer to to the siakam side i don't think he's quite as agile uh, perimeter chasing wise as OG but again this is like you also don't need him to be an all defensive caliber guy right out of the gate like um, this is the thing too is like yeah OG and Pascal are these amazing developmental successes um, which gives you it lends confidence about Barnes rounding out all the parts of his games like end quote uh, shooting like Fred Van Fleet fourth quarter playoffs <laughs> as he said in the open gym moment Um but, uh, you know, he, he I, I forget where I was going with that. But 
like those are also OG and Pascal are also like very unfair development curves to place on Barnes or anyone because yeah. they are like like Pascal Siakam is a 100th percentile outcome of what Pascal Siakam was at the draft. Yeah. And OG depending on how you feel about the um the injury stuff at the time of, of the draft is probably something like 85th percentile yeah. outcome so far. And so I guess the hope based on that uh, is that the Raptors aren't getting high on their own supply of player development juice, right? Like it's it's yeah. it's good to have it's good to have faith in it, and it's good to try to be elite at it. And I think they are legitimately good at it. But are you looking for a petard to hoist here, Eric? Uh, <laughs> yeah, perpetually, my man. Um, but your, uh, your favorite phrase? Yes, I, I I love hoisting petards or or being seeing people hoisted by their own petards. Um, but you can't bank consistently on 100% or 90th percent uh, outcomes. Now, if you think the guy's a super diligent worker, which by all accounts he is, and if you have a good faith in, in his floor, which seems pretty freaking good to me, uh, as just like a cultural fit and a versatile defender... You have confidence, and then your your uh, system and, and the way you work makes it seem more likely that he's going to be 70 and above rather than 30 or below, you know? And, and that's that's how you operate. That's the best you can do. Yeah, and, and you know, look, you there's also an element here of, and this is really difficult because we, we don't, we get access to the guy they draft. We don't get access to the personality and um, the open gym moments of everyone they don't draft. It is. It was really quickly uh, clear and obvious, talking to Scotty Barnes for like four seconds, why the Raptors may have been like, look, culturally and in terms of if we're going to bet on a guy to put in the work and reach that high percentile outcome... This is the guy, because this is an infectious dude. And I know that, you know, I, I apologize if any listeners, you know, don't want to really hear the personality side of stuff because they're, they're you know, more worried about the fact that right this second Jalen Suggs is a better basketball player. Um, but this is part of the Raptors process. They believe in culture and they believe in people. And my God, is Scotty Barnes a likable guy? Uh, three press conferences in like fourteen hours in, with and, a, and a, with and a, a trip, trip to the, to the gym. gym. <laughs> he uh, wasn't with him in the gym. Was Jalen Suggs in the gym at eight thirty this morning? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm I'm pitching a OG Scotty Barnes uh, sitcom where it's just Scotty Barnes talking 100% of the time and, <laughs> uh, and OG's just giving Jim Halpert looks to the camera uh, but never actually says anything. Uh, no, you, you know you know what the vibe they're going to have is? is uh, I was going to use a more recent wrestling reference that, that people won't get here and, and say the acclaimed um, from a, a tag team from AEW but I think it's like it's a little bit of like um, the New Age Outlaws in, in D-Generation X era where they come to the ring and Road Dog talks for like four minutes on this scripted rambly intro and then Billy Gunn just says suck it uh, <laughs> to end it. And Now I think there'll be a little more OG and Scotty will be a little more PG yeah. than that. But uh, 
But yeah, I could see, you know, Scotty Barnes, they're on Open Gym or they're doing one of those, you know, how Raptor Social likes to send like a weekend message over Twitter, Instagram or whatever. Scotty Barnes talks for like 45 seconds and then at the end, OG's just like, we the North. <laughs> OG gets a two second uh, weather report. It'll be sunny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So Scotty Barnes, I don't even know how much we need to break down his game at this point. Like, we talked about him a little bit with Sam Vecini, a little bit with Ben Pfeiffer. Um, we talked about him a little bit, like, going back to um, when we first started Draft Prep. And obviously on the written side of The Athletic, which, by the way, you can still get 50% off by clicking on any of our articles or going to theathletic.com slash we the six, which I forgot to tell you off the top of the episode. So go do that now. Um, we've written lots about Scotty Barnes, the player. Short term, we're I think we're both on the same page with even with a high draft pick and a, a decent core in place, you're trying to get whoever's going to be the best player long-term or, or long-term within like a four to nine year window, which is your reasonable range of control on a guy. Um, and whether or not Scotty Barnes becomes that, we'll, we'll see. Short-term, what Scotty Barnes brings to the table is very good and very versatile defense. Um, some pretty good and infectious on-court leadership from the look of it. Uh, really solid passing for a 6'8 guy um, who played some pseudo point guard off the bench for Florida State this year. Uh, Barnes was asked today what position he actually sees himself as if he had to pick. And he actually said a point guard, um, which is, you know, he's not he's not necessarily going to be that. But he did average more than four assists a game, primarily coming off the bench in, in college. So um, there's a real encouraging passing feel there, especially in transition. Uh, he's probably one of the best transition players um, in the draft, so so if you're looking ahead to, you know, hey, what's the Raptors' identity going to be next year? Well, they forced a ton of turnovers again last season, but the transition game struggled a little bit, and I think um, Barnes can can help with that. Um, Although, Sambacini, I would I will say Jalen Suggs would have helped with that as well. Absolutely, he yeah. would have. But we're we're not we're no longer doing Barnes versus Suggs. We're just <laughs> evaluating Barnes and his fit now. Yeah. Um. So tools wise. You have a 6'8 guy with a nearly 7'3 wingspan, enormous hands, one, the standing reach and wingspan of a center, um, plus athleticism, uh, great score on the shuttle drill. Sam Vecini ranked him as one of the most versatile defenders in the draft. You can certainly see he's going to need to add some strength, and he doesn't have what you'd call like elite vertical burst around the rim. Like he's not a natural straight-up rim protector. Um, which is still something that the Raptors are going to lack a little bit as currently constructed. But you could, you know, maybe Barnes comes off the bench, but you can very easily see how an Ananobi Siakam Barnes trio would be able to play the 3 4 5, similar to how Ananobi Siakam and Rondé did at some points, or Ananobi Siakam and Stanley Johnson or, or Boucher or whoever. Um, there is enough uh, functional size between those three, I think. That you could play quote-unquote small without really losing um, overall positional size. And, and then, of course, the, the handful of guys who are going to take you into the post and beat you up. Well, maybe Ken Birch is back for that. Um, so, offensively, there are more questions. Barnes does not have a track record shooting. Shot 11 of 40 on threes last year. Uh, wasn't a particularly great free throw shooter. Didn't have great touch in the floater range. Um, very limited sample for pull-ups. Again, this is something guys can get in the lab and work on. Nick Nurse said he doesn't think there's a ton wrong with the shot. Just a few tweaks. However, in the half court, uh, first of all, 
Barnes's passing probably at the NBA level isn't going to be quite as impressive as his transition passing uh, against stationary sets. Uh, and there's going to be some spacing issue with just about any combination of Raptors guys right now. Um, they're going to fill out uh, a few roster spots elsewhere, obviously, and Gary Trent can add some shooting and Malachi Flynn in the second unit and all that good stuff. But Eric, there are some concerns here in the short term about how this all fits uh, when it comes to doing a pretty important thing, scoring the basketball in the half court. Yeah, and it's really important in the playoffs, uh, more so than it, I mean, it's important at all times, obviously, but even more so in the playoffs, I think we can safely say. And that's why my main takeaway is this, you know, as the Raptors tried to, for so long, balance the future and, and the present, they're, as is the case with many draft picks, but I think especially this one, this is a, you know, a finger on the scale of the future. Uh, and because this raises some questions about what you do in the near term, and it ties up another valuable not only roster spot but you know let's i hate doing this high level asset in a player who isn't going to immediately address that particular need which is probably their greatest like when just talking about the different phases of the game it's probably their greatest need uh, and that's for several years standing now is is the half court offense uh so whereas before you think that you're getting, and I'm sorry to keep on referring to Suggs, but Suggs, like, obvious, not that he's a dynamo in the half court. In fact, his passing in the half court was one of his, you know, things that he, he'll need to show that he's he can improve at. But he answered more questions there, and the Raptors would go into free agency probably looking at a big man to use either with their cap space or the mid-level if Kyle Lowry's back. Now you're sort of looking at two spots you need to fill uh, in terms of those high-end rotation pieces, and you don't necessarily have the means to do that. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as it goes along, but that is, to me, that's the immediate price of taking Barnes, as you are complicating the near term, especially when it comes to the half court. I, I don't know how it's going to fit. I asked Nick Nurse what he thinks he can see, he'll see offensively right away from Barnes, and what he mentioned was mostly stuff in the transition. Uh, he did say his passing will play uh, all over, so that's, you know, that's something, and I suspect it will, but there are limits to that in the NBA when you only have so much shooting and, uh, you know, creation off the dribble. Uh, on the floor and even if you're bringing back Gary Trent which I assume they will it's not like he's a high level creator either he's you know basically pure spacing so I have questions uh, he doesn't answer that in the short term and I am curious about how they attack free agency and trade season uh, without uh, with while making this pick or because of this pick looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, and, you know, you're never relying on second-round picks uh, to contribute. You know, those are those are even more of long-term shots. But even if you were, uh, the Raptors kind of just doubled down in the second round. We're going to talk about some of those guys um, with the 46 pick, the Raptors checked off a franchise first and drafted a Canadian for the first time. Delano Banton out of Nebraska. Uh, he's a sophomore, six foot nine guard. Uh, really, really fun playmaking. Can run some, you know, he was basically a lead guard at Nebraska. If you're, if you're profiling him uh, ahead, you know, maybe he's probably got the ball in his hands a lot because, again, he's a non-shooter. Um, but also some second side pick and roll at his length. You'd hope he'd eventually get strong enough to, to do some some off-ball stuff, maybe even some screening just to leverage the size and playmaking. But right now he's only 194 pounds, uh, according to how he weighed in at the G League Combine. So uh, six foot nine, six foot uh, ten wingspan, and only 194 pounds. Him and Chris Boucher are, are going to look like a pair. Um, ben elite standing reach again another another wing slash guard with, with really good size um very very fast another dynamic open court playmaker uh, had some really really fun plays with nebraska um and defensively uses the length well at the point of attack um, not sure there's going to be the type of positional versatility you expect with uh, a six nine guard just because of the the frame uh and the strength there but but he is a pretty good um, or was rather a pretty good college defender, um, and it's cool. As Bobby Webster said, "Shout out the Rexdale uh, for the first time." The Raptors have drafted a Canadian, Eric. Yeah, he took my uh, my column about the Raptors not doing enough to reorient themselves in Toronto and Canada after the delay, personally, and uh, look and shouted out Rexdale. So I'll credit myself for that line, even though that's probably wrong. Uh, also, uh, I was, I, I forgot, I think it was William Liu who retweeted it uh, or, or tweeted the element that he wore, what was it, 45 or 46? Yeah, uh, because for the of, bus route. Yeah, for the bus route, um, which is, you know, the first TTC tie-in since Matt Bonner that I can think of. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Uh you know, not a, you know, there, there have been so many Raptors or Canadians that have played for the Raptors now and across the NBA that it doesn't have the same sort of, it doesn't hit the hit the same, um, but it's neat. And it's just another thing to check off and, you know, getting him into the developmental system. I'm sure he'll be in Mississauga plenty. Uh, if the 905 is in Mississauga, that's a different question. Um that will be a neat experience. And uh, yeah, the Raptors have made the 46th pick work before for them. So uh, cool. They sure have. And Banton was, um, 
in terms of you know value here he was ranked uh, across the 15 boards we surveyed anywhere from 51 to unranked he was 77th on our composite board um, but i had bumped him up into uh 62 on our raptor board there is to to share some process um despite that one guy in the comments who hates hearing about my process um the uh when i'm doing my raptorized ranking i do have like a sanity check where if it's too far out of range of what everyone else is doing just because like the draft boards i'm pulling for like I can't go too, too far off of what Sam Vecini thinks when he spends all this time doing it. Um, anyway, I will go I will go off of it. I had Jaden Springer at, like, super high. Um, I had, uh, I don't understand. I, I do not understand Jaden Springer uh, lasting that long. I'm very upset about it. Uh, he goes 28th to Philly, of course. Yeah. Uh, he was ranked 7th on my board. But, no, Benton, um, Benton was uh, at 62 which is, you know, completely in range for, for a draft that had maybe maybe 75 guys getting mocked somewhere. Um, and Banton's a guy that, that I liked a lot. I, I did a profile on him. Um, I was, at one point, I was going to join um, PD Webb's uh, marathon stream breakdown, and Banton was the guy that I had picked to break down because he has some really cool tape. Um, you know, he's just going to need some time. He's uh oh the other thing that makes him Raptorsy too beyond all, all the the skill side stuff he's a 21 year old sophomore who had a redshirt transfer yeah. year and had a ton of um had a huge jump in development as a uh, um once once he got that transfer year under him so um, not dissimilar to uh, the path of a DeLon Wright or, you know, a Norman Powell who didn't transfer but was basically a low-usage bench piece until his third year. Um, Malachi Flynn had a transfer before his senior year. So um, they clearly use that as, I, I think, uh, a way to measure developmental capacity. And, uh, you know, Banton, through through that lens, uh, checks that. One pick later. Must have killed them trying to decide. I, I, I loved your question. I think I was laughing on the Zoom call uh, with Bobby Webster. What, how did they, how uh, they decided yeah. who went 46 and who went 47? Um, Bobby didn't really answer. He he kind of said, give the Canadian kid, but then he like walked it back. So No, it, it, it sounds like they... I mean, the way he made it sound is they knew they wanted Banton and maybe there was a more heated discussion to have. But what can you do in two... Like, yeah. At that point, in my mind, it's just a list that you're going down, but maybe that's yeah. not how they were operating in that case. I mean, look, uh, Sharif Cooper was, he went one pick later, yeah, and there has been some rumbling that, like, you know, he was trying to pick his spot not dissimilar to, like, a Fred Van Vliet or Terrence Davis situation, so um, maybe it was that. Maybe it was trying to feel out what kind of contract they could get done with Cooper if they went that way. They did not take Cooper. They took David Johnson out of Louisville, another sophomore, 20 years old, six foot four point seven five inches, 203 pounds. So uh, four, more than four inches shorter than Banton, and he's got nine pounds on him. Uh, similarly long with a six foot ten and a half uh, wingspan, elite sprint speed, and one of the better uh, natural passers that, that you could find in the second round. However, there are some question marks with David Johnson. Um, probably the biggest one for me is that 
he runs we just talked about how Banton and, and a lot of other Raptors prospects O'Shea Brissett's another one who during the draft process he just kept learning so much and getting better as he went that you know it kind of makes you think oh this guy knows how to take the coaching and make himself better um David Johnson didn't really improve as a sophomore. He still had sky-high turnover rate. Um, he was one of the least productive, um, statistically, so by counting stats or rate stats, one of the least productive guards to, to get drafted in the last decade. Um, he only had one statistic that was uh, higher than 50th percentile uh, among all guards drafted since 2011. Everything else was was below average. Um and, you know, some of what you're projecting with him is it's a good thing he has length because I don't think he's a natural point guard. He doesn't have a, a great ability to create an advantage yet. What he does have, though, is an ability to take advantage of the advantages that others create and make the next pass. He's a good second, like a good second side passer or, a, you know, scramble defense passer. Um, he does have some some good quickness to him. Uh, and he has obviously that that length, and, and then the big question, or not question, but the the big encouraging side is that he shot almost thirty nine percent on threes last year, and it, it's not a it's not a huge sample, and the pull ups are still uh, questionable, but his catch and shoot mechanics are good, and he hit a good percentage on a small number of catch and shoot to where I would bet the Raptors see this guy as someone who can at least spot up in the corner, knock down a three, and attack an aggressive closeout, um, you know, kind of in the way they ask their fifth options to. I think he's going to go to the G League, and they're going to see if they can turn him into a, a bit of a combo guard rather than just a two guard. Um, you know, another guy who's super annoying defending at the point of attack and, and can help create a lot of turnovers. So, um, again, I know you don't have a, a huge take on, on David Johnson, but another guy that spiritually they're staying on a certain track here. Yeah. Uh, Lengthy defenders who can create a lot of turnovers and get easy offense in transition. And then, hey, in the half court, we'll figure it out. Yeah, not quite the same body, but like the guy you're describing sort of reminds me of Malcolm Miller a little bit uh, in terms of what they're, the role that he might fill at some point uh, and, or, or the role that they hope maybe he, he would be able to fill at some point. Uh, uh yeah, I mean, not a, not a ton to say here. I, I second round picks can go in so many directions, uh, but it was encouraging to see that shooting jump in the second season. And if that, I, I know you spoke about his lack of an improvement in some ways, but you know that suggests there's something there. And you know, it's not like he just completely rested on his laurels. So. Yeah, you don't you don't expect second round picks to come in and, and compete, and obviously the Raptors think there's more capacity for growth than those numbers suggest, and we don't know what his situation was like exactly in college. Um, so yeah, I'll wait and see, but I I, I don't have any strong takes here. Uh, not going to provide them. Not going to make yeah, them. No, up. that's okay. I, I was mostly curious what you thought of as you know a holistic strategy um, to to round that out. Uh, the Raptors have signed Justin Champagne and um, Moses Wright Champ as undrafted. Champagne Poppy? Is that what we're uh, yes, calling Yes, that it? joke was made a lot. Oh, all right. Um, so Moses Wright is just a summer league guy at this point. Senior power forward out of Georgia Tech. 6'9", 7'1", wingspan. Um, Chris Bosh. 
he, yeah, 226 pounds. So at least they got some not Chris Bosh. Some some thickness <laughs> there. Uh, pretty good interior defender. Interesting guy. Another guy that I I wrote a draft um, profile on. So so we were uh, we were ready to go there. And, and then um, Champagne is a guy that uh, Sam Vecini, when he was on this podcast last week, really liked for the Raptors as a potential second round pick. Sophomore power forward out of Pittsburgh. Six uh, seven with a six nine and a half wingspan, two hundred six pounds. Uh, an analytics favorite, Kevin Pelton over at ESPN, uh, was much higher on him than the average. We had him at fifty on our Raptor board. So um, of the four kind of second round slash undrafted guys, he's the highest. Uh, so yeah, there's a uh, you know those two guys fit it too. You know, long forwards with with some. Right, right, maybe a little less so. Right, right's maybe more of a traditional power forward where Champagne's more of a kind of a Raptors forward. Just shocking, though, with all this that Yves Pont didn't land uh, with the Raptors because he is the the hyper Raptors version of a Raptors guy. Uh, instead, he's Memphis bound to keep that Memphis league pass value uh, floated high. Yeah, you got uh, the Grizz. While while getting rid of JV and no longer quite being Canada's team in the same way, I mean obviously they still have Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark. Uh, yeah, you got to keep for watching now. for now. Yes, before they, who knows what they'll do. Um, yeah, the Grizz the Grizz remain interesting. Yeah, look, man, Josh Giddy's going to be one of the most fun league pass guys too. He's a he's a treat. Yeah. I was really high on Giddy. I had him... Uh, Oklahoma City drafted him, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. What am I talking about? Oh, we yeah. Were talking we, about wanted, the we wanted Memphis to go up and get Giddy. My bad. Yeah. Um, yes. Sorry. OKC no, and the thought and was they traded up to 10 for yes. Giddy. Yes. But OKC is even more fun with Giddy and Poku <laughs> and Shea and Dort. Um, yes. They maybe are, are closer to Canada's team with JV. No, no. JV plays in New Orleans. <laughs> we're, we're having a rough morning, man. Look, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not even going to defend myself on there. I let's go, let's go. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So that's that's where the Raptors are at post draft. Um, the number four pick, which everyone's obviously very uh, fired up about, positive or negative. Um, four second round slash undrafted guys. We've seen this before. Uh, we know the Raptors will cast a, a wider net, and, and functionally. There's no real difference between 46, 47, and these undrafted guys. So we can kind of look at this as these guys are all coming in. They're going to compete with uh, your Freddie Gillespie's, your Freddie's Gillespie, uh, your Paul's Watson, your Utah's Watanabe uh, for the back end roster spots uh, the rest of the way. I'd assume Moses Wright, if he doesn't, you know, fall flat in summer league, is probably Exhibit Ten bound as those early summer league guys for for uh, undrafted tend to tend to go. Uh, so, you know, that, that creates a, a pretty fun core for summer league, which is uh, right around the corner. Oh, baby. And you and I will be there. So, so Freddie Gillespie and Malachi Flynn will be there. Uh, Matt Morgan and Trey Tinkle from Raptors 905. Very Tinkle. And then I would assume... All five guys that the Raptors either drafted or, or signed undrafted. Uh, and certainly, uh, Barnes would probably be the one question mark in terms of, is his deal signed? Do they want him in playing that, that quickly? The fact that he was in the gym at 8.30 this morning makes me seem like 
Makes me feel like uh, he is going to demand to play in summer league if that's a thing that anyone does. So who's going to coach uh, the team? That's what I'm wondering about. Matumbo. I would assume it's a Matumbo Goodwillie split. Yeah. Um, Matumbo, who at last word is uh, still that's still planned to be the the Raptors 905 head coach, John yeah. Goodwillie, who's got some reps uh, in the summer league spot in the past. So I could see kind of a like the year jam on Stackhouse. I think split it. <laughs> Um, just to yeah. just to give uh, the players on that team emotional whiplash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, Mister break you down to build you up yeah. versus Mister build you up to build you up to build you up. Yeah, the stick and the carrot. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So that's where summer league's at. We have a quick pivot here. Yeah. Free agency begins. What is today? The thirtieth. I have no idea what day. Monday. At 6 p.m., teams will be able to um, start negotiating with free agents, sign minimum guys, sign your rookies, all that good stuff. August 6th at noon is when technically most of these deals can happen. You might even see things like the Westbrook trade from draft night held off, uh, you know, to expand into a larger deal with multiple sign-in trades. You're probably going to hear some Lowry stuff and some other stuff, you know, between the second and the sixth that won't be official yet lots to come uh we'll probably talk to you again before then but let's just tee it up with uh or let's just end this off eric with a a lowry vibe check bobby webster asked about it last night said uh you know they're exploring three paths and there are three paths that you and i have talked about and you've written written explicitly about about. (laughs) yes yeah so there's the option to re-sign kyle lowry which I've thought, even if they took Jalen Suggs, made sense because Kyle Lowry's very good and he's a very good leader and mentor. And uh, I very much enjoy watching Kyle Lowry play basketball. Uh, I had the hiccups and my voice cracking all at once. This is a great minute for me. I think they were probably um, there related is, there. Um, yeah, there is the path where Kyle Lowry just leaves and he goes to a team with cap space, um, such as the New York Knicks. And there is a path where Kyle Lowry tells the Raptors... He's out, and they facilitate something, um, either because it's necessary to get him to his preferred landing spot, and Kyle Lowry has enough organizational equity that you try to help him out and make that happen, uh, but more so because you can get something out of it. And, you know, we can think back to the Chris Bosch to Miami deal where, oh, Chris Bosch for two firsts. No, it's two firsts for playing ball on helping Chris Bosch go to the place he was going to go anyway. So... If you're trying to uh, reset your kind of expectations, um, what happened when we did a mock draft was I offered, I was the Raptors. A mock mock negotiation. Yes, mock negotiation. Um, I was the Raptors. John Hollinger was the Heat. We offered the same deal. Eric Kareen, as Kyle Lowry's agent, took the Heat deal. And then at that point, I was like, well, okay, uh, you know, we'll we'll play ball and make something happen. And what worked out there is Kyle Lowry went from a two-year deal with fifty million guaranteed to a three-year deal with fifty-five million guaranteed, um, and, and a big partial in the in the third year. And for my trouble, I was able to pull Casey Okpala, two future seconds, and a pretty sizable trade exception. Which no, the transaction wire of 
Casey Ocala two seconds and a trade exception is for Kyle Lowry is not going to look good, but that's not what the trade is. It's Casey Ocala two seconds and a big trade exception for playing ball on getting him to a place he was going to go anyway. Uh, that would mostly apply for New Orleans, Miami, and Dallas, I would think. Uh, whereas Philly, ha- you have more leverage because they have to sign a yeah. trade for him, and the Knicks probably just sign him. They don't need to. Yeah. They don't need to clear space. And then, you know, the L.A. teams aren't even worth talking about because Larry would have to say, take such a significant discount. Now the Lakers are going to do it somehow. They've decided. Yeah, sure. And, <laughs> and, and Westbrook and Buddy Heald and everyone. Yeah, just get them all there. There's no uh, there's no cop rules. It's fine. So, Eric, where are you at on the Lowry thing? How are you feeling? Um, so... Before the draft, I thought it was more than likely that he was gone. Uh, after the draft, I still feel that way, although it, uh, I think it tiptoed maybe back toward a more realistic path toward him staying, um, but I'd still bet against it. As for what's going, what's how it's going to happen if he leaves, like... It sort of depends where Kyle wants to go and what his priorities are, right? Like, if he just wants... I mean, and it's going to be a mix of priorities. If he just wants money, then there probably won't be a lot that the Raptors can do. Like, maybe they do figure out a path similarly to, similar to the one that we figured out uh, in the mock negotiation. Um, you know, and I just... I think it's unlikely that there is a scenario in which a really meaningful foundation piece is coming back in a Lowry sign and trade unless it's New Orleans and like Lonzo Ball or something like that, which, again, I don't think is entirely likely, but it's something I've I've thought about. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would... I would say it's sort of like 65-35 that he's leaving. That's sort of where I'm at. And after that, it's like 75 to 80% that it's either no sign and trade or a kind of meaning, a low meaning sign and trade. And then the rest is like, yeah, maybe you're getting a, a meaningful piece back. Cool. How do you um, feel? Does that sound way off to you? No, no, that sounds reasonable. Um, <laughs> that, that's uh, what Jays we do here. On, I was distracted by the, by uh, the Jays being in on Trevor Story. Oh, which uh, wow would uh isn't he would hate? Is he a free agent after the year? I think so. I would have to look that up. I'm sorry, he's not in my Raptor spreadsheet here. That'd be a weird Just one. Be, be a shame if part of that deal um, saw Toronto lose something to to that Colorado market. I don't know. We'll. Uh, be cross sport trade oh, kind of thing. I don't know. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. That's okay. It's okay. Real heads only. Yeah. Um. So okay, <laughs> I'm gonna get throw really quick hitters at you. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. over under 17 and a half per year. Ooh. I'm gonna say slightly under. Okay. Uh, Ken Birch is back with the Raptors. True or false? True. Which two of Utah, Bembry, Gillespie, Paul Watson, 
and the fifth non-guaranteed guy that I'm forgetting. Boucher? N- yeah, I don't really count him, though. Rod- oh, yeah, there's only four. Rodney Hood? <laughs> yeah, and, and Baines. I, I'm assuming Hood and Baines are gone unless they need him for a trade, and Boucher's probably back. But um, Bembry, Watanabe, Watson, Gillespie, uh, rank them in likelihood of they're on the roster next year. Uh, Come on, you, you know who yeah, number one is. Utah's yeah. number one. I'd say Gillespie's probably number two. And then I'd go Bembry, Watson, although I have a tough time separating them. Yeah, uh, cool. And uh, your favorite target that seems somewhat realistic in some of the scenarios we've gone through uh, for the Raptors on the free agent market, either as a mid-level exception or if they carve out a bit of cap space. Um, are we counting Jared Allen as realistic? I mean, they can get to the cap space. I think Cleveland will match, but if you like Jared Allen for this answer, go with Jared Allen. Yeah, I'll say Jared Allen followed uh, very closely by both Lonzo Ball and Rashawn Holmes. Um, they, there it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I w- personally, I think Allen's the better player than Rashawn Holmes and the better, I guess, long-term play, but I, I get that it will be more complicated and, and maybe more expensive. Uh, anyway. All right. Well, I think that's, uh, you know, this is mostly a post-draft podcast, not a free agency preview podcast. We'll be back to talk to you at some point during that free agent um, frenzy week. I'd imagine we'll wait and time that around whenever there's Kyle Lowry news because what are you going to do? Listen to a free agent Raptors podcast on August 3rd while Kyle Lowry's situation is still up in the air no you're gonna wait for the he's at and as soon as we started recording or something yeah uh so probably post lowry news or at least post lowry rumor we'll be back to talk to you and of course on the written side we'll have you covered with lots of free agency stuff um teeing up what's ahead refreshing some of the cap and scenario work we've already done um seeing how you know these new pieces fit in and around the existing core and potential additions uh that's to come again Free agency can, those conversations can begin at 6 p.m. on Monday, and then on August 6th at noon, they can become official. Summer League starts August 8th. We'll have uh, some coverage on that as well. So theathletic.com slash we the six, or click on any of our articles. You can get 50% off an annual subscription right now if you're not already a subscriber. And hey, if you are, thank you. you enjoyed all the, uh, yeah, thank you. Hope you enjoyed all the draft preview stuff. Hope for, hope you were well prepared since the five guys that the Raptors landed are all guys we had profiles for, which is, uh, that's a W you know, two, that's a two win. years in a row. That's a win. No Brunos, no Dewan Hernandez's Dewan's Hernandez. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's it. Uh, Scotty Barnes is a likable guy. Don't anchor him to Jalen Suggs uh, for too, too long because that was not Scotty Barnes's decision. That was the front office's decision. I think everyone's going to like this kid, even if, uh, you know, I would I would probably bet Suggs is going to have a better rookie season. But, you know, uh, I do think... Uh, is he, your rookie, of the year, is he your, your rookie of the year pick or is it Cade Cunningham? Uh, I don't know, man. I might Jalen Green. Jalen yeah. Green's going to average 20 in that looter and a riot situation as Houston rebuilds. They had a good, uh, especially, they, had, they had a fun draft. Yeah, although there's these questions about if uh, Usman Garuba is uh, <laughs> going to be able to come over or not because of his sizable buyout with uh, Real. That doesn't but, mean it still wasn't a fun draft. Yeah, Alper and Shangun, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Uh, all right, guys, we will talk to you sometime next week. Hope you enjoyed the draft and all the content. 
lots of free agency stuff to look forward to. And either a very celebratory Kyle Lowry's back or a very somber Kyle Lowry goodbye next podcast. I will talk to you then. Be safe out there. And Eric, thanks, buddy. Thank you, Blake. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.